but uh, I was living in Massachusetts. We actually knew each other in college a little bit. We were like, we had some mutual friends. We were acquaintances, but we didn't really know each other. And then when I was on the East Coast, we got reconnected first via social media, and then we started talking, and uh, we did the long distance thing. Then she came out to visit me. Four days later, I was like, I love you. When are we getting married? And it was that fast. And so then we, we started the process of, of, you know, going through like, okay, how is this going to all work? And then I surprised her. I proposed. And so after I proposed, we realized that we had only been together in person for 11 days when I proposed to her. And so it was like, man, do we really know each other? So we had the idea, hey, you should probably move to live around me before we get married. Um, and so two months before we got married, she moved out to Massachusetts so we could spend a little time together. And uh, I also was thinking like, man, if this, if, if I really get to know her, she's crazy, then I can call this thing no, off last that's minute. that's not know how it went, but that's funny, babe. No, but. This is third service, so I know, I already understand if anybody desires to get hurt feelings from me, I already know that this story is at my expense. So we're good. Go ahead. <laughs> so, she does. So, her first week there. She decides to go on birth control when you get ready for the wedding. So she goes on birth control, but if any of you know that birth control as ladies, sometimes it can really mess with your hormones. Come on, girls. Somebody advocate you for feel me her. here. Thank you. you. So her first week there, she goes on birth control, and suddenly I'm like, who is this monster that I'm about to marry? Like, I don't know this woman. I think we need to rename her. Um, and so... So, I, so if you don't know, everyone calls her Chrissy, but her real name is Mary Chris. So that week, I guess she was Mary Chris, okay? So, so that whole week, I was like, oh, my gosh, this, this is crazy, man. Like, what's going down? And, uh, but then suddenly her, her hormones began to level out. She got used to the birth control, and then we were good, and, and we were in it, man. But I remember through this whole process of even getting to know each other and being in person, and, you know, once you're actually living around the other person, you actually have, start to have some fights. Like, we hadn't had a fight before that. Uh, you start to find things about the other person that annoys you, you know, little things. And then we got married. But I remember in all of this that I was like, man, I'm in this. I'm in this to win this. Uh, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not giving up. And that's been kind of our mindset all through marriage. Both of us have been very resolute that we're in this for life. We're not just in this to like dabble or play around or, or see if it works out or it's a trial run. But in today's culture, that's more the mindset. We have 50% of marriages end in divorce. There are people that go into marriage thinking, well, if it doesn't work out, it's all good. I can just get divorced and try again. But man, I believe that this topic today is the most important topic of this whole series. And I believe that because this doesn't just affect you. And I know not all of you are married in this place, and I said it last week, and I messed up the statistic. I was like 2% off. 92% of all people in America will get, will get married eventually. And so I just want to say your odds are pretty good. But whether you're single or married in this place, you need to hear this because this is what I believe is the most important message of this whole series. You don't want to know why? Because this doesn't just affect you. This doesn't just affect you as an individual. This affects you and another person. And this affects a legacy. It affects a legacy and a destiny for the children that you're going to have or you already have. You see, if this is broken, our children will be somewhat broken. 
But if this stays healthy, then there can be children that walk out healthy and I believe will walk into their fullest destiny. God can still work with people. Some of you are, a lot of you are from divorced families. God still used you. And he's still using you. But I'm here to tell you that I was not his best. And that he, had, he has his best and it was meant to be two people that make a commitment, stick to that commitment and set an example for their children that sets a legacy for years to come. And so today is so important. Today matters. And we felt the weight of it coming in here today because also here's what we've seen. That there are marriages in our very church that are under attack. I believe there are more attacks against marriages in this church right now than ever before. We've had more counseling sessions. We've been in more meetings than ever before. You want to know why? Because the enemy knows that he can mess this up. He can mess up futures and destinies. And so today is so important. And some of you are hanging by a thread in this room in your marriage. Some of you are about to go into marriage. Some of your relationships are struggling. And I want to tell you that today matters. And I I believe God is going to do something in this place in marriages today. So let's read. I got too excited. I forgot what I was supposed to do next. Let's read the Bible. All right, Colossians chapter 3, verse number 12. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. It will be on the screen for you. Or you can follow along in the Version Bible app. Go to the menu, live events, and uh, you'll see Project Church pop up. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ of Christ, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to share a message to God that is straight from your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would cause it to penetrate the hearts of people's hearts and minds. And God, may it cause us to change in our marriages. May it cause us to have greater perspective of what you would have us do in our marriages and our our future marriages. And God, I pray that just a hedge of protection over the marriages that are struggling this morning or the marriages that are doing really well, God, that they would be strengthened in Jesus' name. Um, So we give this day to you and we ask that you would just speak to us in a very tangible way in your precious and holy name. Amen. 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 So before we go into that scripture, I do want to share a couple statistics. One statistic being this. In 2010, a survey among Americans showed that almost half of Americans um, between the ages of 18 and 29 thought that marriage was becoming obsolete. And while 92% of you are going to get married, the desire for it is decreasing because there's such disillusionment. There's such hurts because of marriages um, of parents and um, just all this drama around marriage and the institution of marriage. People don't want to have anything to do with it. 
But I want to encourage you today that we are encouraged because more and more people are getting married in our church. I mean, last year there were 14 weddings, 11 that he and I had done. And this year has been the same thing, wedding after wedding. And we celebrate that because we recognize what marriage means. Marriage gives us hope. Marriage gives us an image of covenant between God and the church. Marriage is important. Marriage is so important. So in Ephesians 5.31, before we go into Colossians, I do want to read a verse and it says this. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's a quote from Genesis 2.24. And then it says this in verse 32. This mystery is profound. Have you ever thought of marriage to be a mystery in this room? I mean, some people in like the first year of marriage, they're just like, yes. yeah, what in the world is going on? It's a little bit of mystery. But Paul goes on to say this, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Here's what I'm saying to you today. The mystery of marriage is how is this ever possibly going to work that one man and one, one woman are going to come together and become one. It will remain a mystery. It will remain an elusive thing that probably has no business surviving if we leave Christ out of it. Because the mystery was solved when Christ came to this world and he came to die for us and he represented Christ dying on a cross for us. It represents the same thing that marriage is, husband and wife right? Husband and wife, Christ and the church. So you can't have a healthy marriage without Christ. You can't have a healthy marriage without Christ. The mystery is solved. There is purpose in every marriage in this room. And the purpose is to glorify God. The purpose is to illuminate him. The purpose is to point back to him and glorify him. So it's so important that we don't leave Christ out of it. Your marriage, your future marriage, the health of your marriage, any even failing marriage in this place exists to give God glory. Because I believe that some of the failing marriages in this room are going to be reconciled if you allow God to do a work in it. And when it is reconciled, it just shows the love of Christ and the love that he has for the church. I believe that he wants to do that this morning. So what are you going to do? Are you going to be obedient to what God has called you to be a part of? The moment you say, I do, is the moment you come into covenant relationship with not just your spouse, but with God. And it becomes his will, whether you're questioning it or not. It is God's will to be in this marriage. And so I want to say something to you today that marriage is a choice that you've made, yes. And marriage is also you know, filled with love, right? So it means that loving people, loving your spouse is a choice. How many people know that loving is a choice? Marriage is a choice. And it says this, and this is what we want to say to you, sorry. The fate of your marriage lies within your power to choose to fight with your spouse or fight for your spouse. There are moments where I believe that we have fought the, right, the wrong fight on this earth. We have gone out to see our husbands and our wives and our we've seen our spouses as the enemy, as the enemy, as the enemy. But listen, the enemy is the one who is against your identity. It's the one who is overseeing darkness and he's the ruler of and the principality over darkness. And he's the one who's trying to put darkness over the lightness that marriage brings because lightness represents Christ in the church and Christ 
is light, but the enemy is not your spouse. The enemy is the devil. Remember, we, I, I said this, I think, a few weeks ago. I'm not trying to spiritualize everything, but everything is kind of spiritual. So what are you fighting for today? Are you fighting with your spouse or are you fighting for your spouse? We shouldn't see each other as enemies. We should see each other as allies trying to point people to Christ. That's good. So we, what we want to do today, we got four points for you. We want to talk about how do we fight for our marriages. So how do I fight for my marriage? Number one is choose Jesus first. Choose Christ first. How many of you know that if you don't put Jesus first in your life, you're not going to be able to be Jesus to anyone else? And if we read here, and we'll go to Mark 12 first. I'm going to read from verse 30 and 31. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all mind and all your strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So this is the greatest command, right? The Pharisees ask Jesus, what's the greatest command? He gives them this. He says, love God first, love your neighbor second. And in the same way, I can't love my wife well if I don't learn first how to love God well. I can't love my wife the way the, the word of God calls me to and the way I'm supposed to if I don't lear, learn what it means to pursue Jesus, so here's what I found. I found that in, in marriages, and, and a lot of couples who are struggling, they go to counseling, and, and they go to a therapist. And I'm all for that. I'm not against that. But I've had friends come to me and be like, yeah, I went to this counselor, this therapist, and they came to me and they said, we should separate for a time to work on us, and then we can come back together and figure this out. And I'm like, that's the worst advice I've ever heard. Can you imagine if you're like, I need to grow closer to God, so God, I'll be back in a little while. I want to get closer to Jesus. So Jesus, I'm just going to separate myself from you for a little while and just work on me. And then hopefully then I'll be ready to come back and be closer to you, Jesus. No, that makes no sense. In the same way, in a relationship, why would I separate myself from the person that I'm called to fight alongside? That I'm called to, to, to grow with? I can't grow with her if I'm trying to grow separate from her. Now, that doesn't mean you're not still growing on your own. You're still growing in the Lord on your own. But at the end of the day, we have to learn to draw closer to Jesus first, to seek him first, to become more like him first, so that then we can exemplify Jesus in our marriage. Because what does Scripture tell us? Scripture actually tells us our, our role. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And gave himself for it. In the same way, wives are to submit to their husbands, right? So this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're called to do. I can't love my wife like Jesus if I don't know Jesus. If I'm not close to Jesus. If I'm not becoming more like Jesus. So this is our goal. We want two people seeking Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. Because that is how we will fight better for our marriage. It has to start by choosing Jesus. So some of you in this place, you've been running from God. It's time to run to God. You've been running from God and you wonder why your marriage is a mess. I'm telling you right now, you, you need to run to God because he'll clean up that mess. Go to Jesus first and let him fix all the things that are going on in your relationship. It starts with him. Amen. So choose Christ first and second, choose humility. I believe that when we choose Christ, we choose humility. We choose to represent the one who is the humblest. And so here's what it says in, actually, Ephesians 5.21, before we go back into Colossians. It says this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's talking about husbands and wives. Submitting to one another in reverence for Christ. 
here's the problem. I feel like sometimes we get so caught up in what the role of a husband should be, the role of a wife should be, and it's like you submit, you die to yourself, and it's like we're just so focused on that. And honestly, we've, we've preached a lot of messages upon marriage just focusing on that Ephesians chapter chapter 5, verses 22 and on. But what happens before that scripture is this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that section before talking and administering roles to husbands and spouses is how to love well. Some of us just need to love well, and loving well is humbling yourself and choosing humility. I I love this fact of submitting to one another. Not one to the other and the other one is domineering over. No, we're submitting to one another. Both of us, husband and wife, we get to choose the role of Christ in our marriage. Both, both parts. As a wife, I recognize that I can submit to my husband the way that Christ submitted to God when he sent that, him down to this earth to die on a cross for us. I get to submit to my husband the way Christ did. I get to play the role of Christ in my marriage, thank God. And then my husband, he plays the role of Christ as well. He gave, Christ gave his life for the church. He died for the church. My husband is also, husbands out there, you are also submitting your life. You are also taking on the role of Christ. If we want to choose humility, we choose to be like Christ. And he walked a life that is full of humility. And let's get back to Colossians 3, 12, 19. We have the choice to put on, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Then it goes on to talk about forgiveness. We choose. When I put on this jacket this morning, I chose to put it on. It's a choice. Life doesn't just happen to us. We have a choice to humble ourselves. It's not just like, oh, that person is naturally humble, naturally meek, and she's just nicer, and like, I'm just strong and domineering. I cannot submit. No, it's not a personality thing. It's a choice. It's a choice to be humble. And so I love what John Piper says. He says this about roles in marriage, that they, these roles in marriages, are both defined by Christ's self-denying work on the cross so that their pride and slavishness are canceled. How many people know that when you've, you've heard that, that verse, wives submit to your husbands, and even just the word of submission is like so hard for some of us to swallow. Well, listen, the pride and slavishness is canceled out when we recognize that Christ was self-denying in all ways. And so when we can take that on, we don't have to worry about being subordinate to somebody. You know what I mean? We don't have to worry about somebody, the husband's walking in pride and in this authority against, against us. No, we can walk and understand that Christ has already canceled that stuff out. We don't have to worry about it. We can just choose humility. Choose humility. And it says this in verse 14, Colossians 3, verse 14. And above all, These put on love. Again, it's a choice. And we talked about this scripture over the summer when we did a series over Colossians. How many people remember that? We we taught over Colossians. And oftentimes we think that Colossians, especially even when we taught about it, we, we taught about like loving each other in the church, loving one another really well, and just being of one body. It's like this beautiful thing. Let's just be of one body, Colossians tells us to be. But in verses 18 and 19, 
after it's telling us to choose love, to choose humility, to choose kindness, to choose patience, it gets back to this. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Sometimes we're like, oh man, that, that scripture is just for the rest of the body. And sometimes we're, it's easier to put on love and put on humility for people who are in our church body but not our own spouses. And they are of one body with us. Sometimes it's easier. If we're just loving other people really well and, and neglecting our spouses, then we've really just got to be careful. We've got to be careful. We've got to watch how we're treating our spouse. We should be treating our spouses better than we treat the rest of the body. Yeah, Christy and I have actually talked about this because we've wrestled with it ourselves. Like, we're pastors, so we have more grace sometimes for other people than we do for each other. Like, we have more patience with people in our church that are coming to us with struggles and issues than we do for one another. And so we're constantly, like, checking each other and saying, hey, are you extending to me the same grace and love and patience that you're extending to that person that, honestly, like, you don't have that close of a relationship with? And it's, it's often easier to do it for other people or people we don't know as well than it is for the person that knows us the most intimately. The person that we're the most vulnerable with. Because how many know humility is a hard thing? Especially when that person knows our deepest, darkest issues. Especially when that person knows what, what hurts us the most. They know our biggest shortcomings. And yet in that we choose humility. And that means, man, we put the other's need before our own. And so we, if we're going to fight, we have to choose humility in marriage. It's not easy, but it's something we're called to do. Third is if we're going to fight for our marriages, we have to choose commitment. Everybody say commitment. Mark 10, 9 says, What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And so when I, I, I do a lot of weddings, and uh, every time I do a wedding, I say this statement, and usually the couple, they're not paying attention because they're just like looking at each other. They don't know half of what I say during the wedding. I could say crazy stuff. They wouldn't even know. But uh, I might start doing that actually. But, but one thing I always say is, as I say, in, in the middle of the ceremony, I'll, I'll be talking to them about the commitment they're making, and I'll say, this is a covenant which may be broken honorably in the sight of God only by death. And I say it like that. No, not always. Sometimes. But I'll say it, and I'll wait. I'll pause. And it's something that we don't really think about, but, but I want them to hear that this is a commitment you're making, this till death do us part in a culture that says, till my feelings change. Till death do us part, that I'm fighting for this even when I don't feel like it. Even when I don't feel love. Let me tell you, I don't always feel love towards my wife. In fact, there's times I don't even like my wife, okay? And she would say the same thing about me. But we fight for this marriage. There's a word that's not allowed in our home. It's the D word. I'm talking about divorce. That word is not is not allowed in our house. We don't say that word. And what I mean is I would never throw that word out flippantly in the middle of a fight. Like, you know what? I just, I, I just think I might want a divorce. No, and we have friends that I know they do that. You want to know why we don't allow that? Because I don't want that even to have a foothold in my home. I don't want that to even be a thought in my mind. I don't want that to be even a mention or in the back of my wife's thinking that this could be an option because it's not an option. 
I know some of you in this place, you've been divorced. I'm not here to judge you or to condemn you. But I'm here to tell you this. If you are married now, you are in a covenant, you fight for that. You choose commitment. You don't give up. You keep going. And some of you are hanging on by a thread right now, and you need to hear this word spoken over you. That God isn't done with you. He's not done with your relationship. He's not done with your marriage. you got to fight for it. It takes commitment. So let me read this. Colossians 3. In verse number 15 says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. So this is saying, choose submission and humility, but choose it in community. And then it goes on and says, and be thankful. So again, we choose submission and humility, but we choose it in gratitude. Here's what I want to say to you. I believe that people will rise to the level of what we speak over them. Or they'll come down to the level of what we speak into them. So my wife, I want her, I don't want to be a person who's constantly focused on what she doesn't have. And this is what I see in marriage all the time, and I'm guilty of this. I focus on her flaws. I focus on her weaknesses. I speak out to her and in her face all the things she doesn't do. Rather than in ingratitude, it says ingratitude, I actually speak what she does have. Where she, what she does do, the, the, the gifts she brings. What if I begin to speak into what she has rather than what she lacks? Could I elevate her and elevate our marriage? That's what commitment is, I believe. It's speaking out in gratitude the good things that God has given you. Because let me tell you, God's done some good, he's put some good things in both of us. But he's also put some weaknesses in us. But if I just focus on the weaknesses and the negative and the lack and, and what we don't have, then that's where we end up, in the basement. But if I begin to speak what she does have, what God's given her, her gifts, her abilities, we come up to the, to the balcony. I don't want to live my life in the basement. I want to live my life on the balcony. On the balcony of what God has for my marriage. On the balcony of this commitment that I've made. And on top of that, we have to do this in relationships. That's what this was talking about. It says you, you, you come together and you find this humility, this submission, but it's done in community. I, I've seen so many times when relationships, couples, they, they come into a church and they say, this is my church body, but their marriage is hanging by a thread. Their, their marriage is struggling. They have all kinds of issues, but they talk to no one. They don't let anyone in their life. They don't let anyone in their struggles. They don't have anyone that they get real with. They don't have anyone that they hash it out with. And I'm telling you right now, commitment means you bring a community into this relationship. Chrissy and I bring community into our relationship. And you know what, it's really encouraging. There are times people are like, I know you guys are pastors, but is there any way I can pray for you? And we're like, for the love of God, pray for us. We can't do this on our own. That's why we have a body. You know the physical body is, is created to heal itself. The physical body. So if you are in a marriage and it's struggling, or if you are just in your own mess and you're struggling, the body of Christ, this community, which is our heart here at our church, you know, the heart that beats and gives us blood and gives us life, like community will bring healing to some places that you're hurting in. I mean, if you are going to just continue to be isolated and you're like, it's okay, I'm in community with my spouse, you know, we're two people. Well, that's, no, you're one body, you're one person. You're isolating yourself if you are shutting people out and are unable to be vulnerable and authentic in community because then those people will challenge you. There have been times where people challenged us and encouraged us when we weren't feeling very positive. 
And I thank God for that believer and that believe in community. So let's just be committed to one another, but have a community that's going to hold you accountable to the commitment that you made to your spouse. Um, and yeah. So in this idea of commitment, I felt led. It wasn't our notes, but in the, in the 930 service, I felt like God was telling me to speak this. And it's something I want to speak over you too um, here at 1130. But it's this idea of commitment that goes beyond just fighting for one another and having community around us and humbling ourselves. You see, there's a commitment to one another physically too. And I want to talk, what I'm talking about is sex. And this is something we don't like to talk in the ch- about in the church because we get uncomfortable. Like, oh my goodness, sex. Like, you can't talk about sex in church even though the Bible talks about it all the time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it actually says, don't withhold from one another except or unless you're designating yourself to prayer and fasting for a season. I've actually never been called to that season, but you know what I'm saying. Like, the, the Bible says there's a season for that. It's been 10 years. God hasn't called me there yet. Maybe someday. Um, but, but, but in that is this idea, it says that we're supposed to serve one another. That involves serving one another physically. Here's what I believe. Sex, intimacy, the, the marriage bed, every time we get in there, every time we're intimate with one another, there is a recommitment that happens. It is a recommitting act where I am recommitting my soul to her soul. In fact, the Bible talks about, it actually calls it a knitting of souls. This idea of one man or a man leaving his, his father and mother and then becoming one, there's a knitting of souls that takes place. And so every time I am intimate with my wife, there is a knitting of souls that happens. This intimacy, intimacy that happens. So let me tell you, couples come to me, come to Chrissy and I for marriage counseling. They come to us when they're struggling. They come to us when they're maybe even hanging by a thread. And let me tell you what I ask them every single time. The first question I ask them, and it usually catches them off guard. I tell them, I say, hey, answer me this. How's your sex life? And they're like, wait, what? Like, "Uh, it's good. I'm like, what's good? My sex life, what does that mean? "Uh, You know, it's pretty solid. I'm like, well, what's solid? I need stats. I need numbers, hard numbers. How many times a month are you having sex? And without a doubt, Almost every single couple that is struggling, they'll sit there and they'll tell me, well, once a month or less. And I'll tell them every, every time, that's your problem. Go home, have sex, then come back and talk to me. And so I know this isn't something like, oh, I, I don't know. You, why would, how could you say that to them? You want to know why? Because we, when Chrissy and I are intimate with one another, all these little things, these little petty stuff, these little arguments, these little things that don't matter, they just fall to the wayside. We forget about them. And there's this unity that happens, this bonding of our souls that happens, this intimacy that happens that Christ intended, that he created. And so I believe part of choosing commitment is choosing to be intimate with one another, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's hard. And so Chris and I have said, and, and, and I'll tell you right now, I, and it's different for every person, all right? I know some of you are older, so I don't know how it all works, but I know how it works for a 37-year-old, okay? At my age... At my age, this is what I know. My wife and I have committed. We will have sex at least once a week. That's our commitment to each other. I'm not telling you you have to have a hard number, but I am telling you, or your number has to be the same as ours, but what I am telling you is there has to be a commitment to one another. And there's times when you may not feel like it, but you're serving. There's times when you may not be in the mood, but you're being selfless. And that goes for men and women, okay? 
And so I just wanted to tell you this because this is something that we're passionate about. Of course I'm passionate about this. Come on, somebody. But, but it's something I believe in because I've seen the power of intimacy. My wife and I have had a healthy sex life all through our marriage. Here's the problem. A lot of you are having sex. You're just having sex in your head with things you're watching on the screen. And that is not God's best. And I'll tell you right now, I believe my wife and I had a healthy sex life because I don't have an unhealthy life with what I'm watching. I don't have an unhealthy wife. I, I can stand up here and I've told my wife every week I tell her, I, I have not looked at something I shouldn't have. I'd spend 10 years I have not looked at pornography one time in our marriage. And I, I, I'll tell you right now, there aren't many people that can say that. There aren't many pastors that can say that. But I can say that and I want to tell you that that's brought health here. And so some of you, you're unhealthy there, and it's, it's partly your fault. Maybe it's partly your spouse's fault. Regardless, there needs to be a commitment to being selfless with one another sexually. Selfless with one another in, in terms of intimacy, because this is a part of commitment. And unfortunately, this world has just made sex a dirty thing and a bad thing. And in the sanctity of marriage, I believe with all my heart that sex is a holy thing. It's a holy thing that brings healing to a relationship, especially when you fought and you've reconnected. I mean, once you, every time you lay in bed with your husband and you have sex, it's a reconnecting of our souls. Okay, I got to move on. We like to talk and about sex. And if the band would come back. No, seriously, come back. Play something Barry, Barry Manilow-ish <laughs> for us. Get us in the mood. No, I'm joking. Oh, man. Wow. So. Um, Sorry, guys. It just got weird. <laughs> So we're choosing to fight for our marriages, and I believe that we, if we choose Christ first, if we choose humility, if we choose, if we choose to be selfless, and if we choose commitment to one another, then we are choosing a miracle. I think this morning some marriages in this place and some individuals in this place need to choose a miracle to take place in their lives. When we put God first, we say we put ourselves in the place of a potential miracle. We say, I'm surrendered to you. I'm outside of what I can do. I, I can't do anything anymore. Some marriages I will look at, I'll be like, yeah, it's hanging on a very thread. I, as your pastor, don't know what to do. Your therapist probably doesn't know what to do. We are at the end of ourselves, but we're going to believe in a miracle. And I'm believing for a miracle for you today. There's something that A.W. Tozer says, and he says this. The reason why many are still troubled, still seeking still making little forward progress. And I'm going to say progress in your marriage, progress in your sex life, progress in your relationship is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. God wants to do something new in you. God wants to do something whole in you. God wants to do something pure in you. And if we could just surrender to the one who created us, then something of a miracle can take place. Something from a miracle can take place. And here's what I, I find so often. We were just saying, I fell into love. I fell in love. I fell in love. I don't know how it happened. I just fell in love. And just as easily as we think that we fell in love, we fall out of it. And we've not given God the authority and grace to operate in our lives because we just think that we're just, it's happening, it just happened to us. It just happened to us. In the same way, we're like, oh, there's nothing I can do about my marriage anymore. It's in the, on the rocks. There's nothing I can do. I'm at my wit's end. I can't do anything. So I might as well give up. No, we are fighting to win. We fight to win. You know what I tell my kids? Winning, winning is three things. And this is hard for Caleb and I who are very competitive people. And winning normally is the score. 
but we don't keep score in marriage, right? You know, don't keep any record of wrong. Winning is trying your best. Be grateful for what you have. Great gratitude, gratitude. That was one of the points, right? Try your best. Have a good attitude and never give up. Church, keep fighting. Church, keep fighting. Husbands, keep fighting. Wives, keep fighting. There's a miracle when we keep fighting. And when we fight, we stand firm. We stand firm in what God has created and what He has brought together and what He has covenanted with us. We stand firm in it and we say, God, we look to you to heal. We look to you to reconcile. We surrender to you. We can't do anything anymore. So we're going to believe you for a miracle. In Jesus' name. Listen, we want to close right now, but marriage is a reflection of Christ's relationship with the church. And it's more than just finding your happily ever after. It's so much more than that. It's about walking in your purpose and your destiny that God has for you. He's laid it out for your relationship. He's laid it out for your marriage. He's laid it out for you if you're single. He's laid it out for you if you're engaged. He's laid it out for you if you're married. And so today I want to give you an opportunity because I know this has been a message about marriage, but this is most importantly a message about Jesus. That Jesus is the hope. That Jesus is the answer. That Jesus is the one that changes everything. When he comes into our marriage, he changes everything. When he comes into our life, he changes everything. And so somebody in this place, maybe you need to receive Jesus first. I know this has been about marriage, but it's most importantly about Jesus. That he came for his bride, and that's you. He came for his bride on a rescue mission, and that's you. He knows you by name. He knows the amount of hairs on your head, and today he wants you to come in a right relationship with him. He wants you to come back into into that marriage relationship with him. And so today, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Would you bow your heads with me across this place?